I went abseiling off a viaduct, I think, in Murphy Tier once. If, uh, when I was a kid, it was uh, the most terrifying experience of my life. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You're listening to Southern Podcast. Something! Something! You are listening to episode 163 of Something Podcast, featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan the Organ Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and we're starting 2022 by pushing the senses with comfort in sound. At least, that's just the way I'm feeling. Yes! Happy New Year, everyone! I am completely ignoring everything he just said, because later on in this chat, I make a faux pas that is so bad, it made me want to cringe inside myself and then die. <laughs> this week's guest is singer, songwriter, and all-round legend Grant Nicholas of Welsh Rockers, Feeder! Yes, what a human, what a songwriter, what a band Grant Nicholas and Feeder are. For close to three decades now, Feeder have been a staple influence across the UK's grunge, indie and alternative scenes. They have done literally everything from releasing countless hit singles to headlining worldwide major festivals all while keeping a unique identity and vision. Grant's songwriting is some of my all-time favourite, especially when I was growing up, and being the Welsh royalty he is really showed people like you, Sean, that it doesn't matter where you come from, you can get out, tour the world, and do some amazing things. Yeah, this was such a great chat, and it was so nice to speak to Grant. And the crazy thing is, like, how long was I in the blackout? 13 years? 13 years, and my path never really crossed with Grant or any of Feeder. I think at some point we probably would have met at a festival or something, but no, it never happened. So getting to do this was an absolute pleasure, and I really, really enjoyed it. And again, I made a faux pas that's really, really bad, that I genuinely, I swear on my life, I swear on my family's lives, right, that I did not mean to say what I later on say, <laughs> which... <laughs> was the most awkward thing I've ever done on a podcast ever. So that should keep you listening. 
Oh, it's comedy gold. I can I can literally tell you it is comedy gold. So it's it's worth the listen. But literally throughout, Grant is so open with us and on the band story and even secrets behind some of their biggest tracks like Buck Rogers and Just a Day. And we talk everything from their new album Torpedo, which is going to be released now on the 18th of March, 2022. Elements That's my of birthday. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. Fedra put an album out for you. <laughs> you know what to get it now. Uh, elements of songwriting and the band's identity. Their strange experience of headlining Downloads Festival in 2005. The 90s Welsh rivalry between themselves, Stereophonics, and Manic Street Preachers, <laughs> and just stories about Dave Grohl's mum, Taylor Swift, and even the Rolling Stones' Shepherd's Pie. Oh, that is a good one. That is a fucking <laughs> corker. Oh, very, very good. Very, very, very good stories. Um, I can't get over that we got to do it, and um, yeah, it was it was good to see him. Was a couple of questions I missed out. Um, I wanted to ask him who would in a, win in a fight between Feeder, GLC, and Skindred for Kings Newport. <laughs> There's more of the GLC, isn't it? And I feel like the GLC might bring weapons. So that, that's true, to be honest. Um, but uh, if if you think you've got an answer, let us know at Sapling Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, nice, good plug for the socials there. Or if you want to ask us anything at all about the podcast, or suggest guests. Please tag the bloody guests if you're suggesting them. At Sappening Pod. That's at S A P P E N I N P O D. At Sappening Pod. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Or you could check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sappening, where on there, not only do you help us make these bloody podcasts each and every week, but you get invited into our wonderful community of human beings that help each other talk and just have a laugh on the daily. And there's going to be even more bonus content exclusively on our Patreon wall in 2022. We're going to be talking to people to see what they actually want and record some extra fun things. So if you want to be involved in everything Sapnin podcast first, head over to patreon.com forward slash sapnin please it would help us out a lot yes 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 he is correct please please check out our patreon it all goes back into this podcast and keeping us alive so um, i really enjoyed this chat with grant i felt at some points that he was he almost looks down on some of the stuff he does done when it should be celebrated more i think but um yeah having listened to this and having been involved with this I'm sure everybody is going to have a, a brand new appreciation for Feeder after this because he's such a fucking sweet dad and he's such a lovely, lovely human and great songwriter. So thanks again to Grant. Thanks to Feeder for the years of music and for all of us getting jump up and down on a field shot and CD player, 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 player. <laughs> exactly. So this is Grant Nicholas from Feeder on episode 163 of Sapnin Podcast. Happy New Year and Sapnin! Sapnin! Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Hey. Yes! Yes! <laughs> this week's guest is singer, multi-instrumentalist, and a platinum-selling artist, Ooh. Grant Nicholas, from the fantastic and wonderful Feeder. How are you, Grant? I'm fine, thanks. God, that was a, that was a nice big up for me there. Thank you, boys. No, I, no <laughs> well, oh, what didn't I say? What didn't I say? That was no, true. no, it was, it, it was like, yeah, I think, I, I think that was the most compliment I've, I've had in, in those few lines that I've had in the last like, 30 years of being in a band. Wow. <laughs> well, then, well, I'll tell you what, well, yeah, we, we won't spoil it. We'll leave it there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we, we could, we, well, for us, we should add on that you're actually Welsh royalty to us as well. So there's going to be a lot of praises throughout this episode, I'm sure. That's, there's, that's uh, fine with me, boys. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's fine with me. I need some at this moment. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. But how are you doing anyway? How's, uh, how's your morning going? How's, uh, how's life at the moment? Yeah, good, thanks. Well, yeah, apart from a few uh, technical problems, a bit of internet problem this morning, but we've finally uh, managed to hook up. But yeah, no, all good, really. Just uh, doing a few interviews. Uh, I did some writing yesterday. I'm still writing songs. I'm always writing songs. Yeah, I've got my acoustic here. This is, this is the one I do most of the writing on. It's just an easy, it's just always around. It's my old Gibson, but it's just a really nice guitar to play. And it's, um, yeah, it's just when you can just pick up at any time. And I mean, I write most of the stuff on, on this guitar or on any acoustic guitar, really, that's around the house. Um, I find it's a good way of, you know, that sort of first step into, in, into writing something is usually on acoustic guitar for me. So, yeah. I mean, you're not a very exciting morning. I have some coffee. Um, yeah, that's it, really. Nice, <laughs> nice. Do you always find yourself just randomly grabbing that guitar and strumming away ideas like at the most random times or? Yeah, walking around the kitchen, I drive my family mad probably. Yeah, my kids are like, oh, dad, <laughs> can you shut up for a minute? I'm writing this song. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I don't have any real sort of like routine. I'm not one of these sort of nine to five. You know, I don't think you can do music like that. I mean, 
I mean, I do tend to sort of write, I do tend to work more in the daytime actually than evenings as far as actual writing goes. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a sort of, sort of regimented sort of, you know, regime where I have to sort of work for these hours. I just pick it up and it, I might write something and it's almost done in like half an hour, an hour, and then the songs take a bit longer. I tend to put down, I'll, I'll put down ideas just on my, so my iPhone. So I've got literally hundreds of songs that I've sort of started and completely forgotten about. So if I ever have a bit of a dry period, I'll just try and find some on there, see how they sound. <laughs> you know, and I'll put down, and I put down parts on my phone a lot as well. So if I've got like the main song, I'll work out a few little guitar parts and I'll go, oh, and then just so I don't forget them. It's very rough, you know, but it's a good way of doing it. Yeah. Do you have, uh, is there any songs that um, you've never finished or like you're, you're still trying to finish that didn't take yeah, half hour? I'm sure there's quite a few on my phone. But yeah, I mean, there's not so much. There is a few feeder tracks I think we didn't quite finish. So yeah, maybe got the drums on. I can't, there's, there's a few that we can't even find because it was back in the days of two-inch tape. And uh, I oh. think they kind of went, I think they went missing somewhere with our old label. Maybe, you know, you probably got thrown on a skip somewhere. But um, <laughs> oh, no. it's a shame because there was, there was a couple of good ones that we started with John back in the day. And I don't know what ever happened to those. But in general, we've, we've, we've finished most. So I've gone back and used them and been finishing them off as B-sides. But I've got, there's a few solo things that I've got that were three quarters finished that, that I've never put out, but not so much feeder stuff because we've done so many B-sides and, you know, and stuff like that. A lot of them have been used. I mean, I was, I was talking, um, going through all the publishing about six months ago, just uh, sorting out a few things. And uh, I realized I've written, uh, this is before this all, all this new stuff, um, over 240 songs now for feeder, which is quite a few, wow. isn't it? Wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying they're all good, but it's quite a list. I was, I was, quite, I was quite shocked, actually. It's like, you know, when you add up all the B-sides and the albums, I suppose, you know, it all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Yeah. But when you think of something like that, you must think, how did I come up with that many lyrics? Like alone, dreaming. Is yeah, it? I know. Well, I probably repeat myself a lot, but I think, I think, I think most singers do, but... You know what it is? I think as you get older, you do experience a bit more. And I've got kids now. I didn't have kids for the first three records. And it changes to sort of, you know, your whole view on life a little bit. It gives you a bit more to write about. You kind of worry about things a bit more for the future, you know, for your family. And also, you know, you write more about family stuff as well. And, and just people that you meet through that, you know, you meet a lot of new people through having kids. And um, that often inspires you and stuff like that. And, you know, it's been a pretty crazy time as well. So that Anything that's happening around at that time, whether it's something on the news or the, what, what we've been going through for the last few years. I mean, obviously that's going to go into some songs. So that's what keeps you, um, keeps the ideas there. But yeah, it is hard. I mean, you know, writing lyrics is always difficult because, you know, people can, you know, can criticize words and lyrics. But <clears throat> for me, the best thing about it, it doesn't matter how simple a song is, if the lyrics like connect with people, that's the key, you know? And to me, when those songs come along, that's like gold, you know? And it's, some artists are really good at doing it and, you know, and some aren't, but it's something which you never really, you're always learning, you know, it's like, it's, I'm still learning that apprenticeship of songwriting, you know, and I've been doing <laughs> it and I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, touching on that, really, you, you mentioned already that you've been in the music game for almost three decades now and so much has kind of changed within feeder and just the whole industry, but when you have moments like that and looking back and seeing all the songs you've written, like, is there anything that comes to mind in terms of the way you've changed as a songwriter or just a person or just dealing with life? Because, you know, you've been through quite a lot of things openly with the band and that 
I'm sure it's, it's interesting to look back at where you started to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I think that where we started as a band, that kind of vision we had, you know, when I first met John and we were growing up in, in South Wales and wanted to be in a band, we were, we were very into three-piece bands. You know, me and John, you know, love the police and love the jam and stuff like that. And we liked that chemistry that we had to rule bands like Rush, even, you know, quite proggy band. Um, it was it was sort of something about a three-piece band that you, you had to work really hard, but there was a real chemistry that you had there. So that was the, that, that was always the original plan. And it kind of, although we're often four or five-piece band now live, I still feel as though Feeder still feels like a three-piece at heart. I know that might sound strange, but I love what the other guys sort of like bring to it with the keyboards and obviously Tommy on guitar and he's, he's absolutely amazing. But but I think I still like, I still approach the songs still certainly when I'm recording and writing them in that kind of three-piece headspace still. So that hasn't changed. But as far as what I've learned over the years, I might uh, probably nothing. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I think I tell you what it is. I, I think where what I've done is it's like I've accepted in my strengths, I think, and I've accepted, you know, this is what I do. If people like it, great. If they don't, I can't change that. Accepting my voice a bit more now, because I'm not I didn't have burning desire to be a to be a frontman singer in a band. I wanted to be I wanted to play guitar and write songs in a band. The singing came just by accident, really. And it's been really useful for me and probably very useful for the band that we were it's quite, a, you know, if you're a writer and you can sing a bit and, you, and you know, obviously you play an instrument, it is really useful. You know what I mean? You don't have to be the best singer in the world, but you can get all the melodies and stuff like that. So it's been a really useful thing for me. And I think as I've got older, I've, I've got a bit more confident, you know, with the singing. And, and I think doing my solo record as well at Yorktown Heights, which was a very stripped back record. It was really, it was basically feeding without all the big guitars and all, all, you know, the heavy drums, hearing my voice much more up front. I think... Although that happened quite late in my career, I think that was a good thing for me as a writer. And I think it's been a good thing for Feeder as well, because it, it did make me approach things a bit differently after that. I'm probably waffling yeah. on now. I'm just trying to explain no, it. No, but no, yeah. no, 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 no. This, this, this podcast is for waffling and hearing the stories. Oh, well, this is, good this at that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I mean, the thing is, but we, I don't want to lose our identity as a band. There's some people like the heavier side of Feeder and some people like the more mellow side, you know. But we've always had those, those, those elements since we first signed our record deal. The reason we were actually where we got signed wasn't just for the heavy stuff. It was actually more for the acoustic stuff. So I was told afterwards because they knew, they thought, oh, this band, you know, we were like, you know, we were sort of pushed in with the kind of, where they're kind of grungy. We were called the British Smashing Pumpkins and all those, all those labels like the bar and all that. Band. And that was great. But we also had these acoustic songs. And I think they realized that there was, this band could evolve. And maybe as a writer, I could do that. And, and that's, that's what's happened because it was always there. You know, I, I grew up listening to, 70s artists like you know super mellow stuff like Fleetwood Mac and you know Nick Drake I got into and then a son of uncle but I was also into like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and Sex Pistols at the same time but I think you can hear all that in feeders you know music you know because it's there you know all those influences are there you know a lot of American stuff like Tom Petty you know Neil Young obviously you know like Beatles and that kind of stuff as well but I was I was very into I was I was really brought up on a lot of um you know, British music, but also a lot of American music as well, actually, which is why I think, I think that's where the big choruses and all the melodies come from. <laughs> I've always loved big choruses and anthemic choruses, and that's part of, part of Feeder's trademark in some way, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. But, but do you feel like having that interesting dynamic between those kind of slower ballads and acoustic songs and the heavier grunger stuff has opened you up to 
a lot of different kind of audiences because every time I've been to feeder shows, you do see that kind of that separation sometimes that you know there's people going in into really wanting to have a maybe a little dance in the marsh and there's people that want to sing yeah. sing along like their heart's yeah. content as well so how has that been yeah, for you I over mean, the years it is strange i mean obviously i love the whole you know the old school mosh pit thing because you know it's great to be on stage and to have that i mean and we still do have that i know it's got a lot stricter now with the you know with security and stuff but it, you, you know we still we still do get that vibe at our shows and not just older people that will be coming to our gigs that are the old school Peter fans, but even, you know, we got quite a lot of young kids come to our shows as well. And I think, I think 90s music is actually quite, has really hit a mark with a lot of young kids nowadays. And I think we're probably, probably better timing for a band like Feeder. You know what? I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that shows a band that have evolved. I think we haven't ever moved away from what we set out to do. It's just that we've had, as the years have gone by, some of our records have been, you know, a bit more radio friendly or they were just came out at the right time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think some of our best albums came out at the wrong time and they got a little, they went a bit more under the radar, but that's just the way it is. I think, God, if that one came out now, every band's got that and it is frustrating, but it's just down to the musical climate and how, how much media want to support stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking even before SoundCloud and all that sort of stuff where you can stream and find out stuff. And you know, we're not sort of SoundCloud, but, but you know, like streaming, you know, Spotify and stuff. Sacklight's a bit old school now, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> it's um, showing my age, but it's um, it's just a different world now. But I think, to, you know, to answer your question, I think we've always we've always had those sort of songs. I just think maybe it's just more of a mixture of age groups now. But what I am pleased about is it's not just the same people coming to our shows, and that's maybe why it feel it felt a bit like that for you coming. Maybe there are some people that got into the band from maybe Echo Park onwards or Comfort and Sound onwards. There's some people that just know Feeder for like just a day and Buck Rogers. And I just find that extraordinary because we've had so many more radio songs that if you know the band, you know, and you know, some of those more mainstream fans that come, I think they're quite surprised when they hear the heavy stuff and we start playing like Kyoto or something. You know, like, but it, it, it seems to work. And I think sometimes, you know, if you play a real heavy track to people that aren't quite used to it, it can have a real impact and, it can, and actually really works, you know, but it's nice to have that. I mean, it's a bit like watching a film. It's great to have a, a real action-packed film, but you need a little bit of dynamic. You know, you need a bit of light and shade, don't you? And I think dropping in a song like High amongst a song like, I know, an old school song like Shade or something, to me is what, is what I love about being in feeder and, you know, is what I love about being a songwriter, that, that we've always done that and, and we've got the freedom to do that. Some bands are quite, they have one thing and they do it really well and that's what people want. But we've been quite lucky because we've got quite a, Although we're, we're an indie rock band or whatever you want to call us, we've got we've got quite a big, quite a big musical canvas actually, you know. And uh, I think that's just down to the sort of the time we've been going and just the different albums and the songs, really. Sorry, I'm, I'm doing all the talking now. You better ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, no it's, it's fine. fine. I love fine I love you in all this. Yeah, yeah this is what we've been. This is what we've wanted. Yeah, this is what we wanted to hear. But how how do you feel now, like, especially going to, to shows and seeing maybe people who would have came 20 years ago and now bringing their kids along and you're seeing those kind of different generations? Because I definitely feel Feeder as being one of those bands to kind of fill the void for generations and then opening their catalogue to, to other kind of bands. Yeah, I think, feel, I think we do our thing now. I think we've become something. We don't need to prove anything. You know, it's nice to have success and to get on the radio and people to know about the band you know every, every band sort of needs that sometimes but 
we but we don't need that to continue as we are we've 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 you know we've we've always been one of those bands that yeah okay there isn't much difference between being like an arena band and being doing where we are doing like a Brixham Academy now you know we've done arenas on Comfort Sound but it's it's just one record or being that bit more bit more commercial a bit more radio friendly you know a band like if you, you know if you compare us to you know to like Stereophonics or something Stereophonics have never had songs as heavy as Feed Ago well you know we're you know, we have fans that, you know, probably into Stereophonics as well. They probably, I'm sure, I know there's some Stereophonics bands, uh, fans that like Feeder, but we're very different bands. You know, so I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but I don't think we're, you know, we're not, we're, we've always been slightly, you know, that's why I call it Feeder an indie rock band. We've never been on a mainstream label and we've never really had that massive mainstream push. Um. Sorry, so what was the question again? <laughs> so just, just kind of, I just went completely blank then. <laughs> just seeing no, the kind saying, of different, different generations of fans. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, just, yeah. Sorry, I'm back in there. I'm back in the zone. I think what I was trying to say is, um, I think we are a bit of, you know, we have become a bit of a sort of, not all the fans, but we, you know, we are a bit of a family band now. And I think that's a great thing because, you know, I know how hard it is to please my kids. So if their parents, you know, if parents have influenced their, their children through the music they played, yeah, I think that's a great thing. And the kids must hear something that music that they like. You know, kids are really critical, super critical. Maybe it's the melodies, maybe it's the dynamics. It's, um, it's all about songs and kids like melodies and kids like tunes. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of music it is. You know, bands like Foo Fighters are very similar. You go to a Foo Fighters gig and it's like families there. It's like you've got these people of my age group and their kids and, you know, they're that, they're that kind of band. We're not that dissimilar, really. Not quite successful, but <laughs> <laughs> we're doing all right. Yeah. 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 That's your fault, Grant. You should have been in Nirvana. Have you ever tried being in Nirvana? <laughs> well, well, well you know, there was a time when we well, Fina and Food Fires were about the same kind of thing. We were did similar level stuff. And then today, well, just the whole thing just went. I mean, the guy is just unstoppable, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You touched on, um, yeah, you, you mentioned the phonics then, uh, the stereophonics. And um, yeah, I was just wondering because, like, when. When I got into rock, it was like late 90s, early, early 2000s. And um, yeah, I just remember in Wales, you couldn't move for Feeder, Stereophonics and the Mannix. Was there, was there any, any rivalry there? Or did you ever feel like that you were all being, <laughs> you were all being pushed against each other? Sorry if it's like, I don't, I just no, I mean, don't I, know. I, I just saw from the outside. I, 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 I mean, I think there's always a bit of rivalry between bands. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if there's rivalry between Kelly and me or whatever. I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. But I, I always thought we were quite. I always felt like we were quite different to them. I always thought we were a lot. I just thought we were a lot, um, a bit more alternative. You know, much more of a rocky band. You know, we, you know, we, you know, I mean, there is similarities between all three bands that we do. You know, we do have songs, and that, you know, that I, I think that is fair to say. And I know that we have fans who were into those bands as well. Um, and that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I mean, I love, you know, I, I mean, Mannix have had an amazing career and they're, you know, I think they're great bands. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's very easy to mock successful bands and to have that sort of envy thing. But I think there's a little, I think there's always a bit of healthy competition, but I think we're different enough musically to not really be stepping on each other's toes too much. And they're, those two bad, I mean, like the Phonics are doing, I mean, they're selling out huge arenas and all that stuff. I mean, they're doing, you know, they do really well. Obviously, it's a different kind of thing, really. But I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there's probably been bits of rivalry at times. I think everyone's a little bit competitive in this world, but but nothing really, uh, but nothing sort of, you know, like malicious, really, or anything like that. Well, 
Certainly not my end, but yeah. <laughs> oh, what? What? Who said oh, no? Who said it? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, you have to ask them. But no, oh, I mean, I mean, I obviously, well. I know, I know, um, I know James a little bit, and uh, um, well, I've, I've sort of met them all over the years, and they've always been like incredibly sweet. And James came to um, came to John's funeral and stuff like that. And he's always been really nice. I've kept I kept in touch with him like a little bit. He said we'd be sending each other texts here and there, but. You know, they, you know, he's a busy guy, but um, I saw Kenny last at the Tom Petty show in Thai Park, I think it was. I think that was the last time I saw him, unless I saw him at the festival. I, don't know, I can't remember. Is that the one where Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks yeah. played too? Yeah. Oh, I was there. Oh, I missed that. Oh, I'd love to have seen that. Yeah. Oh, imagine a super band. Well, imagine a super band with Grant Nicholas, Kelly Jones and uh, James Dean Bradfield. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Why? I did. Uh, I did. I did ask. Actually, James was going to come and do the gig. I asked him, and he was really sweet about it. And he couldn't do it in the end. He was going to come. I asked him to come on stage. Was it when, when we did our big homecoming gig in Chepstow Racecourse? Oh wow! And, uh, and I called him up saying, "Oh, will you just come on and do a track with us?" So I was going to get him to come on and do like just today or something. He could do one of his, he could do one of his classic solos, you know. And I thought, <laughs> and, it was all, and, it, and it was all happening, and then suddenly he couldn't do it. So yeah, that was a shame. But I, I would definitely do. I mean, I definitely would uh, do some work with James and stuff. Yeah, he's uh, you know, it'd be interesting. Ooh, nice. There we are. Yeah, we've sta- we've started something. I'm going to write it down. Get Grant and James together. Get <laughs> super Grant. duper Welsh yeah. super group. But he, first- he's he's definitely better solos than me, but I might have him on the riffs. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, no, he's a great guitar. No, he's a really yeah. good guitar player. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But um, but but speaking of having benefits for being Welsh, am I right in saying that many moons ago, when you um left Wales originally to go to London and everything, you actually um turned up at a studio looking for a job, and they gave you one just because you said you were Welsh? Yeah, that's true. Actually, well, wow. Well, basically, what happened was I did like this sort of gateway, like music, like crash course, just learning how to do basic engineering stuff because I was I always wanted to work in recording studios. Just to sort of just be, you know, just to sort of experience that whole thing, and so I had a little bit of, well, you know, I knew I was plugging a mic and stuff. I wasn't by, you know, any means like, you know, like a great engineer. I just went around. I, actually, I tried to get a job at Rockfield because I used to know Kingsley that owns it from when I was younger, but he didn't have any. He, he didn't have any. Um, didn't have any jobs, guys. So I basically, I literally just turned up, like, just literally turned up, sort of. Ponytail, I think I had at the time, long hair, like banging on studio doors, just like, give us a job. It, it, honestly, it was like that. And I remember hitting the buzzer going, beep, beep. Hello, who is it? Uh, uh, I've just come, I've just come on the train from uh, Wales. I just wonder if you've got any jobs going. I said, like, a, you know, I'll make coffee, make tea. I just want to work in the studio. And the guy that owned it, uh, one of the guys that owned it was called John Wadlow. Um, and he, he goes, Oh, I um, mean, sort of like buzzed me in and he just happened to be, he went to, he used to go to Wales on holiday and he said he loved Wales and that's why he let me in. And I just got on really well. And I just got, it was complete luck. And I, and I, and I got on really well with him and I got a job and I worked there for about three years and he ended up being, um, he ended up being a seal, you know, seal, the singer, you know, he, he, he was like massive at the time. I, I knew seal before he was famous. And then he, he, um, John uh, ended up being his manager. So he did really well. Uh, it was a really the- interesting place to work, actually. I worked with some really, it was a lot of dance music, a lot of some rock bands, but you know, I was working with people like a Damsky, like old school stuff. Even nice. Probably, you're <laughs> yeah, obviously yeah. to know all this. A Damsky, no, like, Seal, it I was feel- all that. 
Yeah. Period. I'm 37. Yeah, I'm 37, Grant. I remember all of those hits. Adamski. Yeah, Adamski Killer. Oh, what Adamski Killer was a great set. Well, I remember hearing that for the first time. And I remember the whole, it's just like, it was all like coming in and I see it was just doing like, like live vocals on a dat. The whole thing was just the way that all came about, how Seal became this massive star. I was, I mean, I saw that happen. It was just, it was quite quite amazing really because um he always had something about him he was very charismatic and he had a as soon as he walked into the room he looked like he looked like a rock star or something you know what i mean he was like big tall guy with his dreads and he was quite well spoken he just had this really nice voice and he was just sort of pushy and stuff i just thought oh this guy's gonna end up doing well and i remember sitting down he used to play guitar acoustic and stuff he was just sort of he wasn't that he was just sort of learning sort of how to play guitar really and stuff like that and then he just he had this voice and he yeah and he he, I think he did a live vocal or something along to one of Adamski's, Adamski's tracks in a club or something. And that's how that whole thing came about. It was, uh, wow. yeah, it was an interesting time. Wow. Yeah, that's, what a mad story. Yeah. It was good for me. <laughs> yeah. It was good for me because I worked with, I got to work with a lot of people and just seeing how records are made and just, you know, it was all old school tape machines. Then I had to go in and line up two machines and stuff like that. And um, I did a bit of engineering here and there. It was a different world, but I did, I did get to work with some, some rock bands and that's where I met Chris Sheldon who ended up doing our first album with us that's nice. amazing that's awesome that's, yeah, years later yeah yeah but that's crazy to think though that you can like you went to knock the door and then all that came from it do you know what I mean like you it's know just... what I was just saying like you know anyone looking to do anything I like, just just go for it because you know there's no rules it's just, just like a bit of, it was pure luck it was just just luck yeah, I just imagine someone from Merthyr turning up on the door, though, and knocking the door. Like, oh, hey, you oh, Brett, you haven't got any fucking jobs, have you? <laughs> turn, a, turn around and fuck off, Taffy. Yeah, yeah. that would have been. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, but it was good. So, yeah, big thank you to him for letting me do that. Cause it was good. It was, it was, you know, it was a good experience. You know, it's hard work, but it was good fun. Um, yeah, I was still sort of doing music as well. And then I sort of decided I was missing being in a band. That's what I really wanted to do. So, yeah, it all went from there. And I started busking and, and the rest is history. Yeah, no, for sure. Incredible. But um, we should really mention Feeder's new record, Torpedo, that's coming up now oh, yeah. in uh, March of 2022. Um, this is your 11th record as a band, which I'm sure when you hear that in itself is, is crazy to think. But like... How did this really come about? Was it um, started within the lockdowns and kind of working on it? Or is it are these songs that you've had on the brain for a while? Um, well, no, what happened was before lockdown, we'd recorded loads of stuff. I, I was busy writing. We did about eight or nine songs, like, you know, pretty much finished, almost mixed ready, just a few vocals and bits and bobs. And, uh, and then the whole lockdown thing happened. Um, and I was just such a weird time. I was, I think for the first time, in, I've been in feed. I just didn't really feel that driven to actually write anything. It wasn't that I didn't have any ideas to write. I just, you know, because no one knew what was going on. It was a really weird time for everyone. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure to say for you guys, I mean, no one knew what the hell was going on. Kind of in limbo, really. And then um, I basically, after about three months, I just picked up my guitar, this one here, actually, and I just started writing and the songs just poured out of me and like, a lot of quite rock stuff. So, Basically, Torpedo was really, I suppose, in general, most of it was written sort of during the whole lockdown thing. There's, there's a few songs that were started just before that I started writing that have ended up on the album. But in general, it was mainly written sort of during the lockdown period. Yeah. And the songs before 
we haven't used yet. So basically, what happened was, uh, um, so what happened was after after getting all this, these these new songs together, I thought, shit, we got loads of songs now. I was thinking, let's do a double album. Let's do the full Smashing Pumpkins scene. Let's yeah. go, let's go yeah. completely over the top and go all like go all like prog. And I thought, and then so that was the plan. So we'd have the the sort of the you know the more pre pre lockdown songs, and then the stuff afterwards, and you know the stuff afterwards was a bit heavier. And I thought, oh, yeah, that'd be quite interesting. Shows shows all sides of the band, and then it went from being a double album to let's let's do three mini albums, and then that anyway that got and then that changed. So what so what we're doing is basically Torpedo is a standalone album, but it's if you imagine it is a double album, but it's going to be in two halves. The rather than just be one big thing, which maybe it's just too much information for people and too many songs on one thing. We decided to, uh, to sort of split them in half. So musically they're connected, but they're different in some way. Uh, I say torpedoes probably slightly heavier than the other one. Uh, the artist that, that we use, I don't know if you've seen the artwork for it. It's a Russian artist. He's, he, he's, we've also got the image already sorted for the next one as well. And the artwork is the same kind of vibe. So, so they kind of, so as a pair, they, they will go together, but they're still standalone albums. That's, that's the best way of me explaining it to you. It just means that we can get the next one out. Basically, we want to avoid that. We want to sort of, we've got all these songs. I'm sure loads of artists got loads of music because they've had a lot of time to write. And I just thought, you know, rather than do the usual cycle, you know, let's put this one out and then tour it and then put the other one out in a year's time. So there'll only be a year gap, hopefully, between the two records as well. So you're going to be getting, so you're be getting a lot of feeder, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, brilliant. I like that, it. Yes, that's crazy to think that you've been that creative, that you have the next album all ready to go. Artwork, it's almost there. I mean, they're still a bit, you know, we haven't mixed it yet. And I, I okay. wrote, I, mean, I, I started writing again, which I, which I was... I, it sounds weird, but I was trying not to because I got because I just want to focus on this record. This one hasn't even come out yet, and I've got another six songs in the can. So um, we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna add those to what was gonna be the second album, and if and maybe you know maybe see if I can improve it and and anything left over we use for bonus tracks or B sides or whatever. If the songs come along, you may as well just keep them going because you know there may be a, maybe a period where we get busy and we haven't got time to write as much or. But I get writer's block or whatever. It's just nice to have a load of songs there, and um, you know, just you know, well, you know, why there's inspiration. You know, it's probably going to be like commercial suicide for the band, but it'd be good fun to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. As long as you're having fun, Grant, that's all that matters. They're all that matters. You know really, what? But... I mean, I you know, it's been it's been a real testing time. You know, I mean, I mean, for everyone in the all, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in life. You know, this COVID thing's been a nightmare, and I know some people that have lost you know, close, you know, friends and loved ones. And it's been awful, but I have to admit, you know, music business has been particularly hit badly as well. And I know so many people that are, you know, that are really struggling, you know, not so much artists like myself, but, you know, people that, you know, that we rely on, you know, crew art, you know, um, just that side of it as well. It's just been really bad. And even like session players as well, you know, who were doing these massive tours and suddenly find other work, which is just, I don't think they'd ever think, thought that would happen in their lifetime but hopefully things are getting a bit more positive i just hope everyone behaves now and doesn't all it doesn't all kick off again you know fingers crossed we'll see about that i guess yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean not, i know look not I mean, in you know, Merthyr. Watching... yeah, yeah not in, in mirtha grant people <laughs> don't give a shit it's like the virus has never the virus has never been to mirtha but you saying about um 
this uh, songs on torpedo being heavy or whatever, and you you saying it being um, commercial suicide or whatever. But <laughs> I don't. I think I think in this day and age, you can't like. I have no idea what hits and what like. You never know. Like at, at the moment, I'm seeing I see people of all different genres just throw in anything at the wall, and you're finding the weirdest songs seem to take off. Or not weirdest, but you know the ones you least yeah, expect yeah. seem to take off more. So you know it's so true. That is so true because even you know some of our most commercial records haven't always connected. Right now, I thought it's a blatant radio song, and then I go and put something out, and you know um, I don't know if you've heard the song called Magpie. It's on this one. It was the second kind of unofficial single. I mean, and I like that track, but apparently it got played played by Johnny Walker. I mean, the DJ. I don't remember. He was he was basically a big DJ in the seventies. He's got a seventies rock show, I think, on Radio Two. So they're saying he must be in the seventies. I mean, amazing. He apparently liked the song and when he played on this show last week on Radio nice. Two. You know, we don't really get played yeah. on Radio Two very much. You know, we're not that. You know, we're not sort of a mainstream fan, but. I was, I was, I was, I was quite encouraged by that. So a big thank you to Johnny Walker for playing Magpie. Yeah, respect on that one. But listen, you know, the thing is, I mean, I know what you're saying. You know, sometimes the song you least expect can, can like, you know, can really like connect with people. And look, I, I just, I just enjoy, and we enjoy like rocking out when we can. But you know, we also enjoy a good tune, and it's, 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 you know, that's what we're doing, and that's what we've always tried to do. Hmm. Where would you say is um, one of the weirdest places you've ever heard the Feeder song over the years? Oh, nice. Good. Nice. Oh, God, that's a tough question. I, I think sometimes on random you know, adverts and stuff like that, you know, when you get an advert <laughs> and you sing, yeah. and I'm thinking, what are, these, what are they doing? It's, I, mean, I mean, I'm not complaining because it you know, obviously pays the bills. But Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, we, we have been used on some quite random things. And, and you know, just suddenly, you know, you got the TV on and just suddenly you hear something saying, I can't recognize that song. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah. It's on yeah. some weird, it's on some, I, I don't know. I mean, we've been used, I know we got used, we used to get used a lot on MasterChef. Which oh, wow. Okay. Used to, <laughs> nice. They used to use the sort of feeling of, I went, woo! You know, every Sunday, every Sunday sort of go and, you know, like, he'd win, it'd be that. And it was like, Great, but um, and then I think they got somebody to do some library music and copied it afterwards and didn't use ours. Oh, <laughs> bastards! Absolute no, set of bastards. No, I'm not sure, but um, it's um, yeah, we've been on a few weird ads. We've been on, we've been on a, a piano ferry ad that was quite bizarre. Rock <laughs> nice. and roll, love it. It was it was a it was a big ad though. Um, uh, we were asked to be um, well, when we did come in San album, which was a pretty pretty weird time after losing John. That and we were asked. They, they, there was a big advert. It was in Ireland only for, and they wanted to use the song Comfort and Sound. And at the time, I was probably a bit sensitive about it all. They, they wanted to use it for a serial ad, TV ad, Comfort and Sound. I'm thinking, how random is that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just wouldn't really put that on a serial ad, but you Comfort and Sound. <laughs> no, it. Anyway, well, <laughs> in, wow. in, in the, yeah. Um, nothing, ma- yeah, nothing makes me want to want a bowl of crunchier cornflakes more than comfort in some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. but um, and I think we said no to it in the end. But I think I, I think nowadays you probably would say, yeah, it's fine, you can use it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But I'm sure, really, over the last three decades, you've experienced so many kind of outrageous moments of just we think back and go, how the hell did that happen? Or just stories that live with you forever. I mean. Off the top of your head, is there any like that that really came to mind? Is there anyone you've met along the way that really bl- has blown you away? Yeah, I mean, I've been very lucky. I mean, we've met a lot of 
we've met a lot of like really cool people and some really famous people. I mean, I've obviously met Dave Grohl. We even yeah, when he was still you know like successful because you know we did did some festivals and they were on the same bill. And I met Dave Grohl's mum, which is quite surreal. <laughs> I, was watching, Mrs. Grohl. I, was, I was watching the food fights on the side of the stage talking to Dave Grohl's mum. Nice, <laughs> nice. It was. And I think, I, I think Taylor, I think Taylor Swift was watching as well. I, I think she was on the side. I don't know what she was doing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift was there. I didn't talk to Taylor Swift. And she was on, uh, but I spoke to Dave Grohl's mum. It was really nice. Uh, that was quite nice. How, how did you find out that it was Dave Grohl's? Like, did she have a big beard? Was she like, I'm Dave Grohl's <laughs> mum? Like, no. what? I she- yeah, I think she was really friendly. You know, he's, he, I think he he's quite close with his mum because he's, um, I met Taylor Grohl's wife as well. She was really nice. But yeah, no, I think she was, she just went out to see a few shows and gone on the road with the Foo Fighters for a while, which is quite surreal. But, but I mean, look, we've met some amazing people. We've toured some amazing bands. You know, we've, you know, I've met you too. And we you know we played with them and played with the Rolling Stones. Um, interesting story, which I, which I'm sure everyone's told, but it might sound very boring to you guys. But I remember, um, when we were doing like these massive stadiums, you know, we, you know, the Rolling Stones, it was like, Oh my God. And I mean, the backstage was just like, it was just un- unbelievable. And it was always like, it was all draped out. And the Keith Richards had his really cool kind of like sort of hippie vibe going on. It was just amazing. Honestly, it was like, it was like, just kind of how you imagine it kind of in your mind. But in the catering bit, which was where the band were using as well, um, apparently we were told you can have anything you want, but don't, but don't have the shepherd's pie until Keith's at it. Have you heard this story? It's <laughs> no. true, right? He really likes, he really, Keith Richards like, no, really likes shepherd's pie, but he has to be the first guy apparently to break the, to have the first spoon for. Once he's had it, it's all right, you can have it, but apparently yeah, you have to leave it. He doesn't want to come in. A, <laughs> I know. He's got first dibs. He's got first dibs on the pile. It was like, it, it, he has to have first the first cut of the pie. Well, that's what we were. That's what we were told. That's what we were winding us up. So we were like, okay, just don't touch, guys. Just don't touch each other's pie. Was then kick us off at all? Yeah, it was the most surreal thing ever. I expected him to have like to be like lines of sushi and stuff, but no, it was a shepherd. You know, I thought, yeah, respect you. Hey man, don't yeah, you'd expect, <laughs> yeah, you'd expect like, oh, oh, leave the massive pile of cocaine. That's yeah. no, don't touch the shepherd's pie for fuck's sake. Yeah. Keith will kick off. You can have everything else. Yeah, but we even, I remember walking backstage and they were, um, met, Char- you know, obviously met Charlie Watts and he was really nice. So he was, he was really down to earth. He was, he was just playing, playing like pool and stuff. We were just hanging out. It was, it, that, that was quite surreal because it was just one of those bands that's just been, it's been around forever, haven't they? It's just, it's, you know, unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, lots of, I mean, lots of moments really. I'm trying to think of, I know I always get asked this question, so it's hard to hear, to find a good story, but that, that's one that I always remember. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been quite a few, really. But we've played with some, you know, played, played with some great bands. And, uh, you know, you, you get to meet a lot of people along the way, you know. Well, was there a moment, was there a moment where, like, just after you started, where you were like, oh, this, what, I, what, this is working? This is, how is this, like, was it, did you have a standout moment where you were, like, playing a festival or something? And you were like, do you know what? I think we're going to make it. Oh, no, oh, wait, no. Oh, no, I just... Oh, I swear, I swear on my life, I did not mean that. I'm sorry about that. I swear, honest to God. You know, you, you know, I've got a thing about, you know, I've got a thing about that song. No, oh, no it's fine. I'll let you oh. I'll let you, so, I'll let no, you. I didn't. I je- no, no, I didn't. Normally, I'm, now, but normally it, I'm the one it, who does the pants. It's over. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've lost him. We've lost him. I'm sorry. Right. It's, uh, um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, with us, it's always been, you know, it has been a bit of a graft. It was never, it wasn't, certainly wasn't overnight success. We really chipped away, kept doing it, um, building up a fan base, coming through the whole Britpop thing when we were a British band. You know, maybe if we'd been in America, it may, you know, may have happened sooner. Um, but it was, it was a tough time. We built up a fan base. People started to notice, hey, this band have got like 20 people coming. Then they got 80 people and then they got, and now they've sold it out. So that was start, that was, Part of the feeling something's sort of working. We did, you know, we had a few little companies sort of sniffing around, but they, but they weren't banging the doors down, but they were, there was a few that were interested. And then we did, I remember when we did a Reading, because we started off on the Dr. Martin stage or something like the tech, you know, the little Dr. Martin tent, as it was called. And then we worked our way up to the main stage. We were on quite early. I remember it was, I can't remember the exact time. And normally the early spot on a big festival is normally pretty tough. There's usually about, you know, you think like, yeah, big festival. There's usually about two people at the front. You know, they're all asleep still, you know, but it was packed. We had, we had a massive turnout and it was the Reading. It might have been Reading 97 or something. We were, we were three piece. In fact, actually Tucker posted some footage. He, he found some old videos, uh, some old uh, stuff of us playing. And, um, we were playing songs like, you know, we had high and we were playing, you know, descend and shade and stuff like that. And it was a real turning point. And we, and I just felt it on, you just feel a chemistry on stage. We were, and we were kind of really going for it, like really digging in. And we just pulled this big crowd. Everyone's going, who are this band? You know, and that for me was probably one of the big, big turning points, you know, certainly, you know, I felt like we were doing something and, and starting to, it was starting to pay off doing things like getting on top of the props for the first time. You know, it was a, it was a show I'd watched since I was a kid and you didn't, you know, being a rock band getting on there was a big thing. And that was quite a big thing for us as a band and, you know, you know, getting on the radio for the first time. I mean, but I, but for me, if I had to, if you asked me one, I would say, yeah, definitely that Reading gig for me. Nice. Nice. Well, speaking of, um, speaking of huge moments like that and kind of talking earlier about the, the different kind of audiences and, and sides of the banding everything. I did want to touch on back in 2005 when you headlined Download Festival um, because that at the, at the time um, they were just transforming it kind of from that monster of rock legacy and looking at that lineup earlier, the other headliners were Black Sabbath and System of a Down and I know obviously you do have those influences of heavier bands. You mentioned how massive Black Sabbath was as mm. an influence for you but like what was that performance like in particular like would it seem a really interesting moment for the band like especially now when you look back on it it was you know what it was a really tough game for us because they were trying to make it a bit more alternative rock not so you know i remember doing the press thing and we it was a big thing and there well we got to meet ozzy and stuff and i think you know sharon was there and it was a big thing we were like god are we going to be all right for this so what we did was we thought we've got heavy songs if you go back to our earlier stuff so I approached it in a kind of, let's go out there and do all the heavy stuff and not really worry too much about the, the more well-known songs. So the first half of the set was pretty much the proper heavy feeder stuff, thinking it really worked with all these like lots of metalers in the audience, lots of, lots of black and lots of serious faces. And it was, I thought it was just, you know, we were playing well, but it was pretty hard work, I felt. And I was really starting to get frustrated on stage. And and I was thinking, well, you know, what's going on? And uh, I remember this is the, it's the only time, and I wouldn't do it again probably, um, I smashed up my friend a jazz master at that gig. Oh, I wow. smashed it up on stage. I did the proper... Yeah. 
The weird thing <laughs> is, if you go online and try and find any footage of that gig, he's got footage, but they've edited it out. I don't know why, because I have to admit, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> but I, I lost it. Right, Tucker was looking over me, and he saw me the guitar. He goes, "What's he doing?" And I just, and I have to admit, it's really hard to break a Fender, especially a jazz master. You know, you see old footage of Jimi Hendrix trying to break that strat. I tell you, it doesn't go. It doesn't break in one go. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I just had this guitar. I, I just had it all set up. Bought all these new pickups. It was, a, it was a really lovely one, and it was, you know, probably worth a couple of grand. And I, I smashed it up. Anyway, wow. so but, but <laughs> yeah. I've still got, I've still got the neck, and Taka helped me put it together. Me, um, you know, with his rebirth thing because he he's, he makes guitars and stuff. And uh, so the neck is actually on one of my jazz masters here that I play live still. Oh. But 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 I think the body ended up in the audience in bits. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but um, following on, so after I broke the guitar, we we started to play a bit more bit more sort of well-known songs and suddenly it just turned it around. It was really weird because I didn't expect these metal kids and these real metalers to sort of be like really getting into songs like Bert Rogers and like just today. I thought they'd be into like the sand and shade and all that. I completely misread it. It just shows at a festival, I think, I think people just want to hear songs that they really know. And maybe, and maybe the stuff that we chose for the first half of set was more old school, proper diehard feeder fans would know. And maybe there wasn't enough of them there. I don't know. But, you know, we, but we, you know, I think we pulled it off, but it was a tough gig. I have to admit, you know, it wasn't an easy one. Tough audience. Yeah, tough crowd, tough crowd, tough crowd. Yeah, we yeah. did. That. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, we went to the Download 2001 pilot, and um, there's a band called Death Blooms, who are really, really heavy, kind of like yeah. a new metal band. And before they went on, they play Venga Boys. We like to party. <laughs> and you've never seen 10,000 metalers smiling and enjoying themselves yeah. so much. So, yeah. But I think that's 
like you said, across the board, I think it's people want to hear songs. And obviously, Frida have got some fucking massively anthemic songs as well. So, and I think, and and I, and I think by that point, you know, I think by that point, you know, when you're headlining a festival, people have been, you know, they've been boozing all day. They, you know, they're all tired, and they just want to sing along and get into it. And I totally get that. You know, that's what festivals are about. And if you've got some big hitters, you know, some big songs people know, it's it's like gold at a festival. Um, as you know, as sick as you may be of playing them, sometimes it's part of what you are as a band. I think you know. You know, I'd be lying to you if I said that, you know, there's songs I much prefer playing to some of the more commercial stuff. But, you know, those songs were probably a big reason why we managed to continue to have a career and to make records as well, you know, and have labels like Believe in the Band and actually, and actually make some money out of the band. Oh, is that your... Is that, is that <laughs> it? I see something behind it's you. The dog, yeah. The dog's trying oh, to uh, come into the podcast here. Yeah, uh, is he... Is that Jack Russell? It's... Um, it's oh, oh, here we are. She's a... Uh, she's a... She, Oh, it's so cute. Chihuahua and Pug. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, God. And my missus would go mad. She loves that mix. <laughs> She's so cute. So, chug. There we are. Chug, yeah. I know. I'm, yeah, I know. I say there's quite a few chugs in this area, actually. Hold on a second. I'll get you. Hold on. Oh, what's this? Are we having a Hello, dog? Like, I haven't got a dog. <laughs> I haven't got a dog. <laughs> this is your fear. the fuck are we showing each other? Right, are we the grand I'll find something to show. Oh, this isn't fair. She's uh, this is bamboo. Come on, where are you going? Oh. She's uh, is you might have seen her on a few feeder t-shirts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Mad, that's, uh, famous, that's, famous that's cat. Bamboo. Yeah. Nice. She's uh, she's a Burmese cat. She's like follows me everywhere. But she's um, yeah, she hangs out in the studio. She 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 she's quite she's quite critical of the music sometimes, but <laughs> she 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 does like a good riff. Nice, nice. nice. <laughs> um, well, yeah, this is our first. This is our first ever happening <laughs> podcast. Pet off. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, she, she's still here, but she's like, she's, she's been hard to get there. There she is. <laughs> nice. Am I going to have to get one of my goldfish in a cup? <laughs> is that what's going on here? Like, hey, look at yeah. that guys. Like, I've got, yeah. I've got a dog, I've got a cat. Oh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect uh, to be showing animals. That's, um, that's yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I've, loved, I've loved that. Yeah, I've loved well, that. I've, got, I've got a cat. My tucker's got a dog called Bertie. Uh, you know, lovely dog. And, uh, you know, we're real animal lovers. I mean, I love cats and dogs it's just that sometimes if you're away and stuff a cat's a little bit easier you know you know yeah, but it's um but i wouldn't mind you know i wouldn't mind having a cats and dogs all over the house but it's um you know one day i will but burmese cats are more like it they're in between a cat and a dog personality wise you know they're quite clever they're not like a typical kind of moggy cat they're quite they're quite a different temperament anyway enough about their cats as we start to wind down here touching on those um some of the mega hits you've had and really all, all those tracks over the years and and what goes down well live is there um is there any feeder song in particular you feel is kind of not appreciated enough like for you is it like the ultimate feeder song that you wish had either been pushed more as a single or had had that maybe momentum behind it a little bit more oh, so that, that, that's quite a tough one um Oh God, I don't know. I mean, there's songs. Oh God, just trying to think of one in particular. There's songs I thought would that might be more successful than they were, but oh God, you know, it's really hard to answer that. I mean, I thought like Tallulah, which is not a heavy song. I know it's it's not it's not like a big heavy rock song, but I thought yeah, Tallulah, which was the album title track on the last record. I always thought that should have been the single. I felt like it had something. It just it seemed to people seemed to really get it, and, and when we play it live. 
it's got something, you know. I always thought that should have, I always thought, I, 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 I think that should have got some radio play, but it was never really pushed as a single. It, it's so hard because, you know, back in the day when, you know, we've had quite a lot of freedom as a band, you know, getting involved with what we put out, but there's always a little bit of give and take, especially when you've got labels who are paying for stuff. And uh, I do think that there's been times where we haven't necessarily picked the right songs or picked songs that reflected the album that well. But it, it hasn't been too bad, but there's been a few that I personally probably wouldn't have picked as singles. But sometimes these things happen, you know. Um, I mean, I always thought My Perfect Day was a good song from Polythene, our first album. I always thought, I, I always thought that should have been, um, I, I always felt that had something about it. Um, certainly at that point, I think, you know, it was a real song of the nineties, but, um, for me, the songs that I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm probably most proud of the ones that, that are still, that still work that, you know, maybe that, that were written a long time ago. Songs like, I mean, high, high is a very simple song, but it still connects to people and it still has a place that, to me. Those are the little gems that you have once in a while, you know, just the one feeling will always be a feeling classic, you know? Um, you know, people forget, but I mean, like feeling a moment is as well. I mean, people talk about Burt Rogers all the time, just stay, but we've got a lot of other songs that actually probably got as much, if not more radio play than that, that song. But people just seem to, there's something about the song or maybe it's the, maybe it's the title. Maybe it's the fact it's so silly and simple. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat myself up over it, but it's, 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 it's a combination of, I think a lot of people who don't know the band, know know our music more than they actually know the name of the band if that makes sense okay i get that yeah, they go oh oh you know it's weird but it, mm. it's always been like that with feeder mm. yeah i think i think when you talk about like buck rogers and just a day or whatever i i, I think you've got to you've got to keep in mind like because i know you were you were probably super busy at the time but for us people who were kind of like coming up with it like buck rogers and just a day were they were on constantly on tv on Kerrang TV, on MTV too, like you couldn't get away from it, and it was, and it's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but I think I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank genuinely, thank you for it. Because yeah, fucking, hell, we've had yeah, I, I had many a summer party with friends uh, listening to these tracks <laughs> and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I think yeah. I think whereas you know you might be fed up of people talking about those songs maybe you don't realize that they were they were massive parts of people's lives growing mm. up where like where, yeah. whether, you, whether you like it or not i guess it's like, <laughs> like no no look i mean look i mean you know i hate saying you know i'm not saying it in a in a pretentious way but you know they have become sort of in the anthems in their way you know they're in your and everyone knows them and you know just today it's and the lyrics are actually quite dark in the song but people connect with it and it's just a, it, it just makes people jump up and dance a party song and but Rogers is just quirky. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've said this story so many times, you probably know, but I mean, I, I wrote that song for, you know, for like, for like another band originally, um, for a US band. I wanted to work with Gil Norton, who was a producer that worked with loads of really cool bands, uh, Pixies, Foo Fighters. And I, 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 we really wanted to work with him, but he was just impossible to get to. He was like the guy to work with and he was incredibly busy and we thought he'd never be interested in working with us. But I had an opportunity to do some writing for a band that he was working with at the time that was short of a radio song. And I started writing Black Rogers when I was a little bit worse for wear one night. I just broken up with my missus and she was dating some producer that was making a car advert. That's where the lyric came ah. from. He's got a brand new car. A little bit bitter. I was, I think in the back of my mind, um, I think I was starting to see somebody else as well, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, we'll probably get back together again. So there was that positive chorus. And then basically, I said, "It here's a song. Get the singer of this band 
to rewrite the lyrics. If they like it, great. If it's a hit, a feed it for them, great. You know, we get royalties anyway. Here it is. And then basically um, our label, who were called Echo at the time, um, and Gil said, don't give this song away. This could be a hit for you guys. And we were like, what? It's just guide lyrics. And I'm just, I'm goofing around here. That is a true story. And if, like, but I do always wonder if I had given it to the band, you know, would it have been a hit for them? Yes. <laughs> very, never you know. Never, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you, you never know. You never quite know. Never know. Yeah. You never quite know. Yeah. And so, so that's why that song is bizarre. And I, and, and I, I actually rewrote the lyrics uh, in the studio and I had a bit of, uh, I had a bit of an argument with Gil because he, he goes, Oh, you ruined it now. I said, I'm going to sing. It's got a brand new car. So, and he goes, Yeah, but that's what people are going to, that's why people are going to get with it. I said, But it's so, it's so simple <laughs> and silly. And I was like, Yeah, he said, that's what makes it really quirky and odd. So anyway, after, after a lot of arguing, I backed down and, uh, it, and it went on to be a really, you know, big song for us. And, um, and you know, and and then just today became a big song because it was a it ended it was going to be an American single for the for, for the second album purely for America. The album got held back; it didn't ever come out in the end, and it and it became a B side on Seven Days in the Sun single. And it was just sort of done. We didn't even play it live, and then it got picked up by uh, GT Two, you know, the uh, Gran Turismo game that, and they and they and they were massive, and it was the lead track. And it, it was a huge game, and it just ignited that. It was a combination of that and the video with all the fans yeah. in. Oh, the that video! Was, yeah. It's just like it just made it this thing. It made it like a cult song, and that's why I think people still. That's why people still know it so well. Oh, yeah, that video was was amazing. I just remember <laughs> seeing it and thinking, "This is this is fantastic that a band has taken video, you know, has got video of their fans and they're using it." And yeah, do you uh, do you ever? When was the last time you saw somebody from that video in person? <laughs> I did see, I did see one of the little, he was, he was like a real young kid in there. I can't remember which one he, and I, and I saw him, he was working for some like Kerrang radio or something. Oh, wow. He was something at Kerrang. And I met him, he was, he must have been about seven foot five. He was absolutely ginormous. I mean, I'm not very tall, but he was huge. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, is that the guy looking for the video? <laughs> yeah. So he, I, he couldn't I, fit I, in the video. I've no. only met a couple of, yeah, I've only met a couple of them, but, um, that video only happened because we were on tour in Europe with REM and we did a few tours with REM and they, you know, for some reason they really liked Feeder. Um, you wouldn't actually put REM with, you know, you wouldn't put Feeder with REM, but it worked anyway. And we were going to fly back to do a video. We were like, oh, can we just not come back? And can, is there any way they can do a video and we're not in it? And the director, David Mould, was, was a big fan of you being framed. So, right. you know, because you have to remember how old that video is. I mean, yeah. that, 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 but that video, you know, and that is before you, you know, all this stuff that's going on now. There was no social media. There was no YouTube, anything like that. It was so ahead of its time. You guys are like, no, I said, I've got this idea of just not telling fans, but getting, because you said you've got such a great fan base, you know, real diehard fans, could get them to sort of say that they can audition to be in a feeder video or something like that. So you can, can you just film, film yourself like goofing around, you know, to this music? And that's how it came about. And it was just, they had hundreds in, they picked the ones they thought were good. Uh, and it was all edited. And I remember we were, we got sent it. We were on our tour bus. I was sat down with Tucker and John Lee and they, and we, and we put it on the video. And it was because, you know, it was all like video cassettes then. And we put it on. I mean, we were just, I mean, we watched it. We were like, we, we thought, what's this? And it was like, this is either like the best video we've ever done or the worst. We just couldn't 
you know, fortunately it went on to be a real cult video for us. And, uh, but it was just a very simple, but like clever idea. So fair play to the uh, director, David Miles. I mean, he was, he was way ahead of his time on that one. Yeah. Well, well, I've absolutely loved this whole conversation. So thank you so much, Grant. But um, just before you go, obviously again, the new record torpedoes come out in March, 2022. You will be touring then next year across the UK for a headliner in April and May. Um, but is there anything else we can expect in the meantime? Any other surprises along the way? Yeah. Well, there's going to be more music, as I told you. And also, I just want to say, I did see a few things up on our Instagram and Facebook about, oh, you, oh, there's no well state again. Well, there, there's a reason for that, because after the COVID thing, there's a real shortage. Everyone wants to play. So all the venues are rammed. So we couldn't get the right venue. So we just, so, and we did a, did a recent gig in Swansea with, with the Catfish and Bottlemen. So we we have done a few things in Wales. And I'm also playing with um, a Noel Gallagher and um, High Fine Birds. We're doing one in in North Wales thing, and then so. But we are we are working on doing a, um, a Welsh date on maybe a second leg of the tour. So Ooh, I'm nice. not forgetting Wales. Of course, yeah. I want to come and play Wales. I've got my mates want to come and see yeah. me. So I just want people to know that I'm not dissing Wales. It's just we couldn't get the venue at the time. Yeah, it's all good. So no. we 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 will be back. Um, and there'll be more new, you know, there, and there'll be more music. And on the next tour, by the way, it's going to be a pretty heavy feeder set. So don't, don't, don't expect a best of. It's going to be a revisiting some really early feeder stuff, a lot of the new album, Torpedo, and maybe a few, a few old classics. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, few nice. nice. Well, so it'll be a good mix, but it's, it's going to be a heavy tour. It's going to be, it's going to be like proper 90s, like feed, like rocking out. So, I'm just warning you, uh, it's going to be loud. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, yes, if we could, if we could, we'd love to do one of these in the flesh. So if, um, if that's possible, yeah, um, yeah we'd yeah, love to definitely. come along to that. And then um, you can see us in the pit. <laughs> thanks, guys. Well, listen, thanks. So obviously, it's been, it's been lots of fun. And uh, hopefully you got something there which you, you know, observe. some interest for people listening. Yeah, oh, for the, sure. No, for I, sure. Like, people uh, will love right. this. Wait here. I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for everything, right? Thank you for the music. Thank you for the inspiration to show me that people from Wales can fucking leave, right? And that's amazing. Like, and get out that's and true. tour. To get out and tour. You're amazing. Everything you've done is fucking class. We love you. Thank you very much. We do. Thank you, Anne. Oh, cheers, guys. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, and come and see us on the tour. And, and we will be back. We will come back to Wales as well. But um, we're doing Bristol. If you want to come to Bristol, yeah. we're doing... Yeah. I, th- I think... We're- there's talk of a Cardiff date in October, but I didn't tell you that. We, you know, we'll fly the flag anyway, boys, and, you know, we'll spread the word. You're listening to Sabbath Podcast! Yes! 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 Well, uh, thank you very much, Grant. He said, well done to Grant Dent. Yeah, well done to Grant <laughs> well, for, yeah. su- for surviving talking to us. Thank you very much for doing the podcast, and thank you very much for the songs over the years. I know he doesn't really like to talk about Buck Rogers, but... You should, because it's a fucking massive song that's fucking class that we all love and we all remember and it all fucking holds a place in our hearts. It's interesting to see how like mega hits like that are separated a little bit from the actual artists who perform them and wrote them and everything. But, you know, they've got so many mega hits as it is. And I know that he's really proud of a lot of them. But just a day in Buck Rogers, like they're elite indie anthems. So... You know, there's a lot of people listening to this that they would have affected their lives. So he should definitely be proud. And I'm very thankful they took the time to do this, uh, even though you did do the accidental pun and oh, your your, your face. Bro. 
your face so you couldn't uh, believe you did that I, I don't know how well, you managed it to be honest I'll tell you what we should do for the socials then maybe if there's a bit we can somehow <laughs> can we can we can we clip that of me I'll have saying, a go yeah I'll have a go and then yeah. people yeah so check out our um, socials at Sapping Pod on Twitter Instagram um, check out our Patreon patreon.com forward slash Sapping because up there we will put the reaction to me saying to Grant from Feeder <laughs> um, was there a moment when you thought Boys, I think we're going to make it. I can't oh, believe did that. Bro, I can't believe I said... You saw my... Like, I literally... I nearly died inside. And the fact <laughs> got up and walked away was fucking brilliant. <laughs> Sorry again, Grant. I, I genuinely... You know what I'm like, right? Every week, Morgan does fucking puns at the beginning of this podcast, right? And it grinds my gears and boils <laughs> my blood, right? So for me to do it... To a guest's face, right? Of one of the biggest <laughs> songs that he's not that fussed about talking about, right? Oh my god, I fucking died inside. I can't tell you. After it, right? I had to go and sit down and have a cup of tea on my own and just be like, I can't believe I did that. I was expecting an email off Grant offering to fight me in Newport Centre. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad charity match. I think I sell a, a few tickets, but uh, all the love to Grant you could possibly send. Uh, you know, he's a very very influential there's so many people that he's his music has helped and i just love the fact we talked about everything from dave Grohl's mum to the fact that my girlfriend's dog invaded the podcast for a bit and he brought out his cat so we might clip that that i'm sure that's worth a watch so so we'll put that for some reason yeah for some reason you and grant went into an animal off (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i was just sat there going yeah well i could i could go and get a fish in a cup a goldfish in a cup boys but it's not gonna win and also, um, I know James Dean Bradfield from the Manic Street Preachers listens to this each and every week. Not religiously. Um, yeah. Number one, yes, we will have you on in time. Stop messaging me about it. And number two, let's get you and Grant together to write some sort of fucking big Welsh fucking song, is it? Because I'd be like that. And I'd like us to also have some credit for the involvement. So let's make that happen. (laughs) Yes, please. Yes, please. But quick shout out. The Feeder's new album, Torpedo, is going to be released on the 18th of March. That is Jan's birthday as well. So put that in your diary (laughs) twice. Well remembered. Uh, And I want to shout out uh, Grant's solo album he did back in 2014. Uh, titled York Town Heights. If you want something a little bit more stripped back from his songwriting imagination, uh, go and check that out. Uh, around the time of release, I got to do a lot of uh, kind of interviews and radio stuff with Grant when I when I worked in radio, and it's just a, just a lovely album. So I would highly recommend it, and hopefully that UK tour in April and May will go ahead, and we'll have a good time in the pit. I'd l- I'd very much like to go to that. Um, so yes, thanks again to Grant. Thanks to Feeder. Unbelievable. I just each and every week we seem to be getting people that played a part in a, our growing up, and I love mm. that. Yeah. I love that very, very much. Oh yeah, well Feeder was a band that I think me and my dad really bonded over for quite a period. Um, I remember having one of their CDs uh in his uh in his car and stuff um and we just used to listen to that all the time so yeah it's just nice that we get to to do these and and especially dive into humble begins for the band as well do you know what i can't stop thinking about making some sort of welsh super group now (laughs) imagine if we got all and surely we could do you know what the blackout tried to do this one year for christmas song right when we were on raw power raw power management we tried to get the blackout you, me, six, kids in glass houses, bullet, my Valentine, 
and a bunch of others to do a Christmas song. And um, our manager at the time was like, oh, we'll never sort that out in time now. And we were like, all right, then let's just leave it. But imagine how good it would be if, like, James Dean Bradfield, Grant, Kelly, Jones from Stereophonics, Matt Tuck from Bull... Like, imagine... This is the thing. It doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to... No, yeah. No, but it doesn't have to be indie, does it? This is the... No. Like, it doesn't have to be, like... Imagine you could get, like, fucking Benji Webb from Skin yeah. Dread. Like, let's make a Welsh super group, boys. Fucking... I don't have to be in there. I just want to... Just want to help set it up and fucking listen to the songs. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I just got fucking, sorry, I'm just telling you, my dreams out loud. <laughs> it's all right. You never know what we'll bring together on Zapman Podcast, though. Stranger things have happened. Well, we'll have a look. But let us know your ideal supergroups, uh, guests, oh, nice. all sorts of things, Good at Zapman Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd also love it if you could go and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin as i said in the intro it helps us make these podcasts each and every week and we're going to be doing a lot more exclusive content on there very 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 soon yeah check it out patreon.com forward slash sapnin where all of the money that we make from the patreon helps us to make these each and every week and there is loads of things that you can get back for your support Yes, and we'd like to say a special thank you to everyone who's already a dedicated patron of ours so much that if you head to the description of this episode, there's loads of their names in there that we do thank. But as we do each and every week, Sean is going to give a mahoosive shout out to the elite members of our Sapman Podcast Patreon community. Yes, thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Urangatan closely away. Janelle Caston, get well soon. Amadine Urbano, Mitch Perry, Kelly Ewan, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Young, Paul Hirschfield, Natasha Morris, Emma Barber, Nathan Croshaw, Sammy G, Tony Michael, Kat Besson, Captain Hannibal, Jenny Robinson, Murray Grimwood, Johnny Phillips, Scott Jones, Amy Campion, Alexandra Pemblinton, Mikey McDonald's, McMuffin Buns, Tom, Johnny Knoxville for 2022 Royal Rumble winner Owen. <laughs> oh, I did read about that the other day that uh, Johnny Knoxville's Johnny Knox is like 85 now. How did he, that happen? He, he, don't, he hasn't aged well. Out of no, we all, we all well. aged like a year at a time, and he seems to have mm. doubled somehow. Anyway, yeah. thank you very much, Karen Robinson, Chris Howard, M. Evans Roberts, Louis Cook, Danny Eden, Carl Pendlebury, Martina McManus, James McNaught, Jenny Sexyboy Munster, Kelly Cannon, Lucy Diaz, Emily Perry, John and Emma, Becky Andy, Jason Oredia, Stuart McNaught, Jordan is a Tory, Harris. Oh, Adam King of the Goths Parslow, Ollie Amesbury, Josh, my friend, has designed an invisible aeroplane. I can't see it taking off crisp. Thank you very much and congratulations on the new job to Alice Wood. Oh, and also um, Emily Perry has also started a new job, so congratulations on that. Thank you very much, Reese Bowring, Keris Andrews. Connor Lewins, and last by no means least, the wonderful Kate Stevenson. Thank Woo! you very much. We love every single person mentioned there and just everyone in the community of our Patreon to help us make this. Um, I think we started very well in 2022 with Grant, and hopefully the rest of the year will f- be filled with wonderful surprises for you all as well. So thank you for listening. Um, if you're if you're listening to this on Spotify, please give it a five star rating because their rating system they've started a rating system now. And if you wherever you listen to it, just rate and leave a nice review and stuff because that helps us 
a lot as well and make sure to share it and put it in your instagram stories because the more the more it gets out there the better it is for everyone so do that yes yeah the (laughs) more successful we get the more power hungry and mad we get (laughs) and then anything could happen (laughs) also just let everybody know i uh dm'd uh fred durst twice this week asking him to come on or at least send a voice message saying, Sean, do me a favor, fucking leave me be. And he sent me back the alien he- alien head and the UFO emoji. And um, that upset me because the fucking microphone button's right next to there. So why didn't he just go fuck off? Anyway, Satman! Satman! <laughs> oh, I had to get my rant in at the end. Why don't you just fucking be my friend? You're listening to Sapling Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, Thank you very much.